All right, good evening. Uh, thank you for being with us tonight. I realize it's a holiday weekend and oh, it's a Sunday evening. Uh, it's, uh, it's a long day. Uh, so I want to thank you again for uh, taking time, for giving your time to the Lord this evening, for making him, uh, not the pastor, but making him preeminent in your life. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being with us tonight. Uh, praise God. Praise God for the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, who is God the Son. Uh, praise God that we have his words that allow us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, uh, his words. Of course, his life was a great example. Uh, he came, uh, not, of course, not just to be a great example, but to be the, uh, the final sacrifice for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, the sacrifice for our sins. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Let's go, up, go ahead and open in prayer. We'll sing a bit more. Father, thank you tonight for our church. Thank you for each one who came out this morning. Uh, thank you for returning visitors. Lord, what a joy, uh, what a privilege. Father, help us to be uh, an encouragement uh, to a visiting family. Lord, I pray tonight that um, you bless each one who has uh, given this time to come together, uh, albeit <laughs> remotely online. Uh, Lord, time to um, focus upon you tonight. Lord, I pray as we look again into the Song of Solomon tonight that we would be instructed and greatly encouraged. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the privilege to hold your words in our hands, to study them, to learn them, to seek you and your grace to apply them uh, that we might walk with you, Lord. Father, thank you tonight for um, the great privilege that we have to walk in an intimate relationship with you. Lord, it's, it's an indescribable privilege, and yet we enjoy it. We know it, and we thank you for it tonight. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn sheets, and uh, we'll turn to hymn number 260. What a friend we have in Jesus. We'll sing all three verses of what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear. Because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Come 
remembered with a load of care. Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer. In hills armor taken shield thee, thou will find a solace there. All right, praise God for that privilege. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. Take your Bible, uh, turn back in the Old Testament to the Song of Solomon. I'd like to encourage you again tonight uh, in the Song of Solomon. Uh, of course, we've seen uh, several, uh, we've already had several messages uh, from uh, this book. It's, it's a wonderful book, amen? Uh, it's a book that pictures a truly wonderful godly relationship between a man, a bridegroom, and his wife, his bride. Of course, it's literally Solomon and his Shulamite bride. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 says it's the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And uh, it's poetry. It's, uh, it's really a series of eight love letters uh, back and forth between King Solomon uh, and his young Shulamite bride. And uh, in that respect, through that lens, it is a wonderfully instructive book that uh, encourages a husband and wife. Uh, it instructs a husband and wife in what it means to be a uh, godly married couple, uh, enjoying the kind of intimacy and uh, desire for one another, uh, all the things that God has uh, ordained for enjoyment within the biblical boundaries of marriage. And of course, marriage is what is ultimately pictured here. Uh, and then, we, as we've said several times now, you understand we're approaching the book really two ways. Uh, we're seeing it as what it literally is, these, these love letters between a husband and wife, godly husband and wife, instruction for a Christian couple. Uh, but also, it would seem to be more than that. There seems to be another level uh, a higher level, if you will, in which this wonderful book, these eight chapters, uh, picture the love that the Lord has for his people and the love that he desires to receive in turn from his people. And it is a wonderful love indeed. Uh, I want to pick it up tonight here in uh, the beginning uh, of chapter 3. I, I don't think we taught all the way through those last few verses of chapter 2, but we read through them and made some comments on them. If you have questions, come and see me, please. But uh, I do want to pick it up tonight here in chapter 3 and uh, hopefully get through the chapter. It's uh, just 11 verses tonight. Uh, I've been looking at Unger's outline and his commentary. He's one of the Old Testament uh, writers, expositors, uh, commentators, if that's a word, Zach. Uh, he says this chapter pictures the the Shulamite first in distress uh, at being apart from her uh, bridegroom, King Solomon, her bridegroom king, uh, experiencing some distress at being physically separated from him, uh, and then uh, uh, delight at his return, uh, his coming back to her. And You know, this, this no doubt tonight is, is good and instructive. Uh, teaching for, as we've said, a, a literal married couple, uh, but also it would seem 
to allude to the, the condition that we are in uh, as God's people in this day. Uh, our King of Kings is not physically present with us. Uh, is he indwelling you together with the Father and the Holy Spirit? Most definitely. Uh, is the Lord present in our church services in a special way uh, when we are gathered together? Yes, most definitely. Is he physically present at this time? No, he is not. Uh, no, he is not. And so uh, we'll see here tonight kind of the, the longing of the Shulamite for her king, King Solomon, uh, during his absence. I think it, it pictures, it, it at least points to uh, and suggests very strongly the longing that we, uh, as the Lord's people, should have for uh, the physical presence of our Savior, uh, the rapture, and our time with him in heaven, and our return uh, to uh, the earth with him uh, at his second coming, and our rule and reign with him, uh, under him, uh, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, uh, throughout the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Uh, so I believe tonight we have a pretty strong allusion, sort of eschatologically here, to the, the point that we are at on God's timeline and our call to uh, patiently wait upon uh, and, and yet strongly desire the return of Christ uh, and then looking forward to, with great anticipation, our time together in his physical presence. Uh, don't forget, at the rapture, your body will be resurrected uh, and perfected. Uh, and you will come in, your, your physical being will come into the presence of the Lord who has uh, physicality now. Uh, and, and that will continue to be the case throughout time. And uh, so there's a wonderful uh, longing. It, it's a patient longing to which we are called, but uh, a longing nonetheless. I want to read the, the chapter tonight. It's just 11 verses. Uh, and then we'll, we'll pray real fast, come back and make some observations that will, I hope, encourage us tonight. So here we are, Song of Songs, uh, Song of Solomon, sometimes called Canticles, right? Chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, the Lord says, By night, well, it's, it's the Shulamite speaking here, uh, By night on my bed I sought him, whom my soul longeth. Her, her king Solomon is physically absent. Uh, I sought him, but found him not. She says here in the middle of the night, I will rise now, verse 2, and go about the city in the streets and in the broad ways. I will seek him whom my soul, what's that next word there? Loveth. Uh, I sought him, but I found him not. She has this intense desire uh, to find her, her king, her bridegroom. Uh, he's, he's away. Verse 3, the watchmen uh, that go about the city found me, to whom I said, saw ye him whom my soul loveth? Have you seen him? Uh, have you seen my bridegroom, uh, my king? Verse 4, she continues, it was but a little uh, that I passed um, from them, but I found him who my soul loveth. Sounds like she loves him, amen? Uh, my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. So there's a, there's a great longing for an intimate relationship here. Verse 5, uh, she says, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose, uh, the, the deer by the hinds of the field that ye stir not up nor awake 
uh, my love till he please. I think this is uh, an allusion back to something she said back in chapter 2, verse 17, I believe. Uh, verse 6, she continues, Who is this uh, that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders uh, of the merchant? So uh, she's um, viewing him as very desirable, very attractive as his return, and uh, I would also say a very majestic. Uh, no doubt this is Solomon at his return, but uh, Solomon very much as a type of Christ, one picturing the, the very majestic Lord, uh, our very majestic Savior in his return. Uh, verse 7, behold, uh, his bed, which is Solomon's, threescore valiant men are about it uh, of the valiant uh, of Israel, they all hold swords. These are the king's guardsmen, no doubt, being expert in war. Uh, every man hath his sword about his thigh because of a uh, fear in the night. So the king here, Solomon, has guardsmen that watch over him. Uh, verse 9 says this, King Solomon made himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, the covering of it of purple, great significance to each of these words, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, uh, the midst thereof being paved with love for the daughters of Jerusalem. Verse 11, the final verse, go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon, with what the crown, with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals and in the day of the gladness of his heart. So uh, here King Solomon very definitely picturing, serving as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray. We'll come back and, and make some observations that, that I hope, again, will encourage us. Father, thank you tonight for uh, this passage. Lord, I understand tonight it, it demands some, some, some meditation, uh, some time, some chewing upon these words, uh, Lord, to, to kind of extract the practical instruction uh, for a couple, but also the spiritual instruction for Christians. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you would help us to do both, to once again see uh, this passage of this wonderful book through both of those lenses. Lord, help us to take care to benefit in every way that we can from your words tonight, but most certainly uh, to benefit in, in, by viewing uh, the passage, understanding it through both of these lenses that uh, you have uh, given us. Father, help me now. Uh, help me to handle your words well, uh, skillfully, and, and to be led of the Spirit as I do. Lord, I pray there'd be power in the preaching tonight that would not be mine, but that would be yours. Father, I pray tonight that you would accomplish what you desire to accomplish uh, in this uh, short time that we have. Lord, work here uh, in your people's hearts, please. I pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Let's come right back to the top of the passage here uh, and see her distress. So uh, picture this young bride 
uh, for whatever reason, she's uh, been separated. She's apart from her bridegroom. He's, he's off traveling on some kind of business, uh, doing uh, something that has taken him uh, away from the home there. And we see here that, boy, she really missed him. And uh, she didn't just miss him a little. There was this longing, Brother Ray, this great longing to be reunited uh, with her bridegroom, this king, uh, she says, by night on my bed, verse one, I sought him whom my soul, what's the next word? Loveth. My soul loveth. I sought him, uh, but I found him not. Uh, let me be real practical for just a moment here. When two spouses are separated uh, for any period of time, uh, practically, they do very well to take care to keep their thoughts on each other. Don't let your eyes wander. Uh, don't let your thoughts wander. Uh, keep your thoughts upon each other. Certainly, uh, tonight, much heartache could be avoided if couples who are separated for whatever reason, for any period of time, uh, be it a day or two or whatever it is, keep your eyes to yourself, keep your thoughts uh, on your spouse. That, that'll be a great help and much heartache uh, could be avoided. Uh, I have not uh, experienced um, uh, the consequences of adultery in my marriage, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm, I'm very thankful for that, and uh, certainly anyone who has could describe the heartache to you. Uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to long for each other when we're apart from each other. Now, we see also, as we said, uh, this, this very practical scene here uh, does seem to picture uh, our call to be longing for the return of our Savior, longing for uh, his physical return to us. Uh, longing to be physically reunited uh, with our king as the Shulamite de desired uh, so, so uh, plainly, so passionately, if you will, uh, to be uh, reunited with, with her king. It's a great picture of the longing that should be in our hearts uh, to be with Christ. We see so much language like that, so much instruction and encouragement uh, throughout the Bible. In Psalm 63 and verse 6, uh, Psalm 63 and verse 6, the psalmist writes, when I, he's praying, he's praying, when I remember thee, uh, Lord, uh, here upon my bed uh, and meditate on thee in the night watches, uh, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings uh, will I rejoice. Uh, here's a man who is uh, there in, in the midst of the night. Of course, that can be a difficult time sometimes if some trial, some difficult thing has you awake or a uh, difficult thought has awoken you in the night or, or kept you awake. Uh, it's good just to turn your attention to the Lord and uh, prayerfully give that thing over to him and, and, and stop and think, you know what? All the trials of this world will end uh, in the twinkling of an eye at the return, at the rapture uh, of God's people. Just in the twinkling of an eye, these trials will be over. Lord, come quickly. <laughs> Lord, come quickly. Uh, we're not looking for a way out of trials that you are using to grow us, but but Lord, help us to, uh, more than anything else, long for your return. And of course, the, the psalmist would, will rejoice, will rejoice at coming into the presence of, of his Lord. Uh, similarly, in Psalm 143 and verse 6, 
Uh, the psalmist writes, I will stretch forth my hands unto thee. It's a prayer. Uh, Lord, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul, the totality of my being, thirsteth after thee uh, as a thirsty land. Say law. Stop there and pause uh, and consider that. I don't know about you, but I, when I read a verse like that, there's conviction. Uh, Brother Ray, there, there's conviction in my heart because uh, I think I may have alluded to this this morning. Uh, I'm not sure that day in and day out, uh, I have a passionate enough desire uh, for the Lord's return. I'm asking God to help me cultivate a greater interest, uh, even greater interest in his return, to have a really, truly passionate interest in, in being uh, coming into the presence of the resurrected Christ my Savior. Uh, the psalmist stretched forth his hands and said, My soul thirsteth after thee, Lord, uh, as a thirsty land. Of course, over and over again throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, God's people are called to watch and wait with great anticipation for the coming uh, of our Lord. And 1 Thessalonians 2 in verse 19, uh, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, What is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. That's our hope, that's our joy, that's our crown of rejoicing. Please don't allow yourself to, to fall in love or to remain in love with this world uh, and the things of this world. No, Lord, help us to fall out of love with this uh, wicked world and, and to grow into an even greater love with you, uh, one that would compel us to love you more, uh, to desire uh, and, and love your return more. Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, help me. Of course, we have to watch and, uh, and wait patiently. And, you know, sometimes I think that the, uh, the prospect of having to be patient uh, discourages us from really longing for the return of Christ. You know, you long for something every day, and uh, every day you have to continue to be patient. Continue. Sometimes it's easier just to kind of turn off that longing and say, well, when it happens, it happens. No, we're supposed to, we're called to uh, truly love the Lord's return, to long for it like nothing else, uh, but also to do that patiently. It does require patience, and of course, the Lord gives us patience uh, to endure this. James 5 and verse 7, James 5 and verse 7, uh, here the Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. We don't know when it will be. Uh, we don't. Despite what any man says to you, he does not know. Does it appear that the stage is set? Yes. Does it appear that the world is ripe for the judgment of the tribulation? Yes, does it appear that the nation of Israel is ripe for the judgment uh, and for all the things that the Lord will bring to pass to uh, bring his people, the Israelites, uh, the Jews, to Christ, their Messiah? Most certainly it does look that way. Be patient. Nonetheless, we don't know. We're called to be patient unto the coming of the Lord. Uh, that verse continues, Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. The farmer has to wait uh, for the fruit of the earth, for his crop to come in. He has to have long patience for it until he receiveth the early uh, and the later rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, 
for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Understand that verse was uh, penned down under inspiration uh, two centuries roughly ago. And uh, the coming of the Lord was imminent then. It was drawing nigh then. It's, it remains imminent, and it's obviously much closer now than, than it was then. Uh, Lord, give us a, a passionate desire for your return, but also give us patience. Lord, give us the patience that we need uh, to wait. We're called to be watching and waiting and anticipating heavenly rewards. In uh, Revelation 22 and verse 12, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man, every person, according as his work shall be. Lord, help us to take full advantage of every day that we have between now and the rapture, knowing that our service to you each day, the character of our service, uh, the heart with which we serve, uh, the place in and through our local church. Lord, uh, if, these, if we'll have these things right about our service, there's reward that is coming. And uh, I, I long for the reward as well, but as I said this morning, uh, I long for it because I want, some, I want some things to cast back, some crowns to cast back to Christ. I really hope, Zach, uh, Brother Ray, I really hope that we're going to have that opportunity. I hope the Lord desires that of us as we see pictured in the book of Revelation. Uh, what a joy it would be to worship Christ by casting back the crowns that he enabled us to earn, uh, to be able to worship him and, and glorify him uh, with those crowns. Certainly I'm worthy of no crowns, Brother Ray. Christ is worthy of all crowns. You see here in verse 2, this Shulamite bride, she sought out her bridegroom. I will rise now and go about the city searching, right? Searching the streets in the broadways. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. My total being loveth him. Uh, I sought him, but I, I found him not. So listen, uh, you've been waiting for a good number of days for the, you've been waiting patiently for the return of Christ, uh, but we don't know, as I've said tonight, when it will be. But what I do know is that just like this Shulamite uh, is seeking out her king, who's gone away for a time, uh, longing and loving uh, him and, and, and seeking him out. Is he back? Is he back? Uh, we'll know for sure when the Lord has returned. But just like she is seeking him uh, each day here, please don't forget, we're called to be seeking the Lord, right? Each day. Yes, desiring his return, but meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, seeking him just as passionately, uh, endeavoring to have just as intimate of a relationship as we can have uh, today uh, prior to his physical return, uh, we, we need to be seeking the Lord each day, drawing close to him each day, uh, seeking him and uh, drawing close to him in prayer uh, and in his word. Uh, I love Psalm 42. Verses 1 and 2, make a note, Psalm 42, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, As the heart, that's a deer, right, panteth uh, after the water brooks. Picture a, a thirsty deer that's been bounding about the hills, coming uh, to a brook, to a stream, and uh, all tired out and thirsty, panting for the water. Uh, As the heart panteth, the deer panteth after the water brooks. The psalmist says, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Uh, 
Uh, my soul, my total being pants for you, Lord. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I love it. Psalm 42, uh, the psalmist has a passionate desire, a panting. That's, that's the language in our King James Bible. Uh, a panting, a passionate desire uh, to, to, to be in this close intimate walk with the Lord, but even more than that, to be uh, in his presence. Lord, when shall I come and appear before God? Uh, that's his desire. That's his ultimate hope and a certain hope indeed. Lord, give us the same passionate desire for a close relationship with you each day. Help us to be intentional, purposeful, serious about that, not just kind of floating through the Christian walk, the Christian life, knowing that eventually we'll come to the end of the road and we'll be home. No, the Lord desires to have a close, intimate relationship with us today, uh, not, not just in that day, somewhere off in the future, but, but today. In Psalm 63 and verse 8, the psalmist says, My soul followeth hard after thee. That's a prayer. Uh, Thy right hand upholdeth me. In Psalm 73 and in verse 25, the psalmist prays, Whom have I in heaven but thee, right? O Lord? Uh, whom, whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. You know, the Shulamite's desire for her King Solomon, her, her bridegroom, is a wonderful picture of this kind of heart. Uh, whom, have I had in, whom, whom do I have in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Just like a husband and a wife should focus on each other with that kind of, uh, of exclusion, uh, our, our ultimate desire for the Lord should be that focused and uh, to the exclusion of other things that would draw us away and uh, harm our walk with him. Lord, help us. Lord, help us uh, to seek to draw close to you each day. We see here in verse 3, the, the Shulamite bride inquired if others had seen her bridegroom. The watchmen that go about the city found me. So the, the night watchmen there in the streets found her. And she said to them, saw ye him? Have you seen him? Whom my soul loveth. Whom my soul loveth. Why does she search for him so aggressively? Why is she up in the middle of the night, out literally searching the streets in the middle of the night uh, for him. Well, she's invested her entire being in loving him. Uh, this is a true love. It's a, it's a complete love. Uh, more than once, she says, uh, he is the one that my soul loveth. She's invested her whole self uh, in loving her uh, Solomon, her bridegroom king. And of course, this is a picture of the Lord's desire that we would put our whole selves uh, into loving him. Of course, Jesus said in uh, Mark 20 and verse 30, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Uh, the Lord desires that we would uh, intentionally cultivate that kind of a love for the Lord. Listen, that is going to have to be a, an intention that you choose. That's going to have to be uh, a choice. You don't just, I don't think you do at least, I don't think you wake up one day and realize that you have this all-encompassing, burning uh, love for someone. I don't know when you're a teenager, maybe that, that chemical kind of stuff that goes on, that puppy love stuff feels like that. You just see the person and boom, that's it. But 
Uh, no, it's uh, a more mature love is one that you invest in over a period of time uh, with the return on that investment being a greater, deeper, more mature, more full, more complete love. Uh, and a husband and wife understand this. When you intentionally invest in your relationship with each other, uh, the return on that investment is a growing, more mature, deeper, more perfect love. We need to do the same thing in our walk with the Lord. We need to be very intentional about that. Uh, if you put uh, money into the stock market each paycheck expecting there to be a return, over time, that, that's a reasonable return, but you have to choose to invest in order to reasonably be able to anticipate that return at some point down the road. Uh, you have to be similarly intentional in choosing to invest yourself in loving the Lord, giving yourself to him, choosing to obey him, and choosing to serve him, and looking to the Spirit of God for grace which, with which to do that. Lord says, if you love me, obey me, right? I'm paraphrasing, but you, you understand. Uh, this is the very least that we can do for the God who commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. The very least that we can do uh, is to begin investing ourselves, giving ourselves, yielding ourselves, loving the Lord uh, with the hope and a prayer that over time, uh, as we yield ourselves to him, the Holy Spirit brings forth a love, a greater love for the Lord himself, also a love for each other, that vertical love as well as that horizontal love that we talk about. So there was this distress uh, in the Shulamite's heart at being apart from her bridegroom king, Solomon. Uh, and then we see her delight. She found him. And this is, this is the good part. Uh, this is the good part. She found him, uh, verse uh, 4, but it was but a little uh, or a little while is the idea here, I believe, that I passed from them, uh, the night watchmen. But I found him whom my what? Whom my soul loveth. There again, this total love. Uh, I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. And, you know, I think you understand what that's all pointing to. Uh, having found him, she held him. She drew him near. Uh, she wasn't willing to let him go. She, she grabbed onto him and would not let him go. Uh, she persisted in uh, remaining close to him. She didn't turn away from him. Uh, you understand that this is... Boy, this is a great example and good instruction for a husband and wife. Just hold on to each other tightly and don't let go. And uh, this, this world and the, the stormy sea that is this world is raging all around us. Yes, we need to both draw close to the Lord. But if God has given you the, the privilege of, of having a spouse, you just hold on to each other as well. And you hold on to each other and both look to the Lord. Boy, you're in a good place. Uh, you're in a wonderful place. She held on to him, her king, and would not let him go. And aren't we, the Lord's people, called to do the same with regard to the king of kings? Aren't we called to, uh, hold, to, to hold on to him uh, and to not let him go? I used to know a man who said, I can't wait uh, to get to heaven 
and, I, and to come into the presence of Christ, and I, I hope that it will be okay with him if I just get down on the ground and grab onto his feet and just don't let go. He says, I hope that will be okay uh, because that's my heart. I don't know if that'll be okay or not, but what a wonderful heart. What a great heart. Uh, but we don't have to wait. Understand this, please. We don't have to wait to come into the physical presence of Christ. We grab onto him today. Grab onto him today and don't let go. You realize he's not letting go of you. He's keeping you saved. He's inviting you through books like this and, and really the entire totality of Scripture into this kind of intimate relationship that's being pictured here. He's grabbed onto us and he's not letting go. Somebody lets go, it's us, right? Lord, help us to grab onto you, uh, to trust you. Uh, and, and to hold fast to you like the anchor that you are and to not let you go. Uh, listen, I'll say again, the risk is that we turn from him, that we let go and turn away. Uh, this um, alludes back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and Paul's warning to Timothy about apostasy and apostates, those who, who have the truth but choose uh, having been influenced by seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils who choose to, to turn away from truth uh, and to give in to the seduction of the devil uh, and false doctrine. No, that doesn't make any sense. We agreed this morning that will never make sense. And with God's help and with his grace, we're going we're gonna to hold on tightly to the Lord. and We're going to hold on tightly to the truth of his word. Uh, do that, please. Say, Lord, help me just to, to grab on firmly to you and to hold your words uh, close to my heart, to fill my mind with them, uh, that I be inoculated against the seduction of false doctrine and the things that go along with that. Uh, she, she says that I, I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. And uh, of course, that's uh, picturing the physical aspect of the marital relationship and uh, that's, that's picturing the great intimacy as well that the Lord desires to have with his people. Not a, not a physical intimacy like a husband and wife, of course, but a great and wonderful intimacy nonetheless. Um, see verse 5, uh, her watch care for him, they've come back together and she desires to just begin uh, serving him again. Uh, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, she says, by the rose and the hinds of the field. This alludes back to what she said back in chapter 2, verse 7, that she stir not up nor awake, my love, till he please. He's been away. Uh, now he's back. Don't mess with him. <laughs> she's, uh, she's exercising some watch care. She's, she's serving him by preventing others from messing with him, if you will. I'm being casual. Forgive me. Uh, but I think here there's, there's picture of a wife uh, who is... Uh, exercising this wonderful care uh, for her husband. She's being the helpmeet that God has called a literal wife to be to her husband. Um, she's serving him as his helpmeet. And of course, when the Lord returns, when we return at the end of the millennium, forgive me, at the end of the tribulation with him, uh, we'll rule and reign with him, but that will involve serving him also. We are the bride that Brother Ray will continue to serve, to care for, if you will, uh, to serve Christ, the, the bridegroom, the bridegroom. Uh, yes, there's a sense in which we'll rule and reign throughout the millennium, but that will involve 
uh, serving our Savior in his literal presence. Can you even imagine? Can you imagine? We see the bridegroom's royal homecoming alluded to here. Uh, it seems like sort of chronologically there's a kind of a stepping back and a pondering now. She, she got caught up in enthusiasm for his return and uh, they, they found uh, this great intimacy once again, having been uh, reunited and uh, having accomplished that, she, uh, she takes a deep breath, it seems, and, and kind of reflects back now at how wonderful it was to, to find him approaching her. Uh, verse 6, we see this uh, image here. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense and with all powders of the merchant? In her eyes, he was attractive, even even majestic, like pillars of smoke coming forth from uh, the wilderness. And uh, listen, the, the coming of the Lord is, is going to be a majestic thing, certainly. Uh, the rapture will be something else, right? We don't, uh, it'll be wonderful for sure. But uh, when the, the second coming of the Lord with us at the end of the tribulation, his majesty is going to be on display. And it's, it's going to be a whole lot more majestic than Solomon returning home through the woods, coming forth from the woods and uh, the way he smelled and all that. It's uh, the, the return of Christ will be that much more, uh, I think, inconceivably majestic in our eyes. What, what a great day uh, we have to look forward to. I want to quickly, we'll, we'll close here uh, quickly, but I want, I want you to see, uh, well, not real quickly. It'll take, take another just several minutes, okay? <laughs> that won't get you excited. Uh, I want to give you a few observations that um, are, they're wonderful. We'll give them to you as C's tonight, several C's. Uh, see here first, um, uh, her, her groom's royal chamber, the bed. Uh, behold his bed, verse 7, uh, which is Solomon's. And he has these uh, guards that watch over him throughout the night. And, you know, it's a little bit uh, challenging maybe to know exactly what's being uh, pictured here. Uh, it could just be part of her uh, demonstration or, or choosing to demonstrate wonder at the majesty of her king and, and all that he has and all that he is. And uh, it could just be that he has these watching over him. Some have suggested this is a picture of the angels uh, and their ministry of watching over uh, God's people. Of course, we know the angels are, are real. These would be the elect angels. They have various ministries uh, that they perform on behalf of the Lord uh, around God's people. So that's just an interesting thought. I don't know if, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't demand that or anything, but it's possible uh, that that's being pictured here. Uh, for sure, her, her viewing her, her uh, bridegroom king uh, is very, very majestic and, and possessing so much uh, is a picture again of the majesty of Christ and, and all that he possesses. We see here secondly in verses 9 and 10, his royal chariot, uh, his kingly chariot, uh, and, the, and the language that describes it. Let's just see it again real fast. Verse 9, uh, King Solomon made himself a chariot uh, of the wood of Lebanon. 
uh, he made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, uh, the coverings of it of purple, uh, the midst thereof being paved with love or, or crafted with love might be the idea uh, for the daughters of Jerusalem. So you have these references here to this majestic royal chariot that King Solomon has and uh, it does look pretty wonderful and majestic indeed. Uh, the prophets picture the Lord in, in a chariot at times. That's interesting. Uh, here there's language and colors and materials that are used. Um, it has pillars uh, of silver. Uh, you remember uh, in the uh, Lord's instruction regarding the, the construction uh, of the tabernacle, there was silver used. Um, uh, sil we know also from Second uh, Chronicles and First Kings that silver was brought to Solomon. We know that much was brought to him. He possessed great wealth. Uh, we know much about the gold, uh, the bottom thereof, of gold. Gold is a, throughout Scripture, it's a symbol of uh, purity, uh, nobility, sometimes deity. Um, one man observes this. He said, the Lord views himself as uh, the refiner of his people, a refiner of silver or gold, uh, who melts the metal to remove the impurities. And he points to Malachi 3 and verse 3, which says this, And he, the Lord, shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And, of course, we understand that there's a sense in which the Lord is using trials uh, to purify, to grow, and to sanctify uh, his people today. Uh, that said, I believe the gold that's pictured here is more of an allusion to nobility uh, or deity and very much alludes to the, the nobility and the de deity, not deity of Solomon, but the deity uh, of Christ. And then there's picture of, uh, not a picture, but purple, uh, purple being described here, uh, the covering of it of, of purple. Uh, and this, this would typically picture uh, divinity uh, as well. We know back in Exodus 26, the, the curtains of the tabernacle uh, are described this way. Moreover, the Lord gave this instruction. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple. Purple, divinity. Uh, and scarlet with cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. Uh, purple was used, it was associated with, um, like gold, nobility, kingliness, and even, even divinity. Of course, you remember that just before his crucifixion, Christ was mocked when they clothed him with purple and plated him with a crown of thorns, put it upon his head. Uh, they were mocking his nobility, his kingliness, uh, his godliness. Uh, when they put on purple that was associated with those with that rank and a crown that would also be associated uh, with that rank. Uh, praise God that we know tonight with certainty that he is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And boy, uh, everyone that participated in mocking him that day, they, they will know that uh, if they don't already, if they don't already. We see his kingly crown in verse 11 and we're done. Uh, go forth, O ye daughters of Zion. Behold King Solomon with the crown, with the crown, with the crown, wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals, 
in the day of the gladness of his heart. So here again, his Solomon's young bride, the Shulamite, beholding the majesty of, of her king, Solomon, uh, the majesty of how he came, uh, the majesty uh, of, his, uh, of his bedroom, the majesty of his chariot, uh, the majesty of his crown, uh, a, a visual picture of, of his position, his, his earthly position. All of this clearly, plainly, is encouragement to us to behold Christ, his majesty, uh, king of kings, to recognize his authority and to bow ourselves, to bow our hearts, to bow ourselves before him, recognizing his authority to command us as king uh, and savior and God the son. Uh, Lord, help us to get a hold of your majesty and your, your position, uh, your position. We're not king of our own lives. You are king, and king of kings. Lord, help us to recognize that uh, Christ is seated at your, the right hand of the Father uh, upon a throne. We are not to be on the throne of our own lives, directing and guiding and uh, um, setting our own course. But Lord, submitting to you, recognizing your majesty and your power, your authority, and submitting ourselves to you. Uh, the Shulamite had a wonderful uh, view. She had a wonderful longing for um, her king, her earthly king. She had a wonderful uh, joy at his return and a wonderful view, a great perspective of his majesty at his return. Lord, help us to long for your return to long for the return of our Savior, to fall out of love with this world. Yes, there's things here that God has given to us for our enjoyment. Lord, thank you for those things. But help us to long for your return even more than those things. Lord, help us to look forward to rejoicing uh, at your presence and to look forward to the majesty of your return, your majestic return where you will exercise a perfect authority over all things. We have much to look forward to tonight. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you tonight for the privilege to read, to study, to preach uh, such a wonderful chapter as this. Lord, I'm, I marvel at the awesomeness of your poetry Lord, I, I marvel at the power of your words. Lord, I, I marvel at the beauty, the beauty of your words and uh, the wonder of the poetry that you use to encourage us in our relationship with you. Lord, thank you for investing uh, such great power and beauty and wonder in calling us into the relationship that you desire to have with us. I pray tonight, Father, that we would respond to that call uh, with a great interest and a growing interest in our Savior, not satisfied to simply be saved, but desiring to come into the close, intimate relationship with you that you desire. Father, I pray tonight if we're convicted that we simply have not been investing ourselves in that relationship the way we should. Uh, not loving you with our whole self, not investing our soul <laughs> in loving you. Lord, that we would confess that tonight, that we would say, Father, I, 
I'm guilty tonight. I don't love you the way I should. I don't long for your return the way I should. Uh, I don't hope for the things of heaven the way I should. Lord, I, I confess that. Please give me grace tonight to uh, invest in loving you the way I should for your honor and for your glory. Father, I love you tonight. Help me to love you more, more each day. Lord, I love you. I thank you tonight. That's possible because of Christ and the cross. Lord, I know tonight that I can love you because of the love that you've shown me at the cross. Lord, I thank you tonight that I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit because of the salvation that Christ made possible at the cross. And as I yield to you, Lord, you bring forth the love that I do not have apart from you. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and Lord, I thank you. Help me to invest.